Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jibraj and on this podcast I speak with founders, investors and domain experts from the Indian Valley trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode I speak with Shri Vishwanath, Chief Technology Officer of Atlassian. Shri is one of the most distinguished tech leaders of our time and I could not imagine anybody more suited to help us understand tech leadership. culture and our design through his illustrious years of professional experience she has won multiple hats as a tech contributor in both large companies and early stage startups providing a rounded perspective to most aspects in the next 15 minutes i discuss with she topics around tech design at atlassian career growth and ladders tech culture and playbooks to primarily understand how the tech vertical can scale and grow impactfully in new age organizations i absolutely loved she's learnings and i'm sure you will too but before we get there here is a quick word about our sponsor this episode of the indian silicon valley podcast is presented by stride ventures which is one of india's leading venture debt funds becoming synonymous with innovative startup financing in india stride ventures provides comprehensive solutions going beyond venture debt to cater to distinctive challenges faced by high growth and inherently strong businesses backed by leading institutions the fund has a portfolio of over 60 plus diversified companies having deployed more than 1500 crore rupees to date in just over 2 years stride ventures has emerged as the preferred venture debt lender in the indian ecosystem to know more about this phenomenal fund visit strideventures.in that is spelled as s t r i d e v e n t u r e s . i n and with that let's dive in to the seventh masterclass on technology with shri vishwanath of atlassian thank you so much shri for joining me incredibly delighted and super honored to be hosting you today i am excited to be here chivraj thanks for having me Great to hear that, and I think a technology masterclass has been long due on the podcast, and I don't think there could be anybody more suited than you to have this discussion with. But before we dive deeper into the nuances of what a CTO role entails, what tech leadership looks like, I, I think all of us would love to know more about you know your journey with technology. What got you into technology? What were the first couple of you know years of influence in terms of tech for you? And when did you know that this was something that you were going to spend a majority of your lifetime towards? I, I think would love to start there and get the ball rolling. Absolutely, that's a great place to start. Let me start with my very first computer. My uncle brought a ZX Spectrum computer. This was like a little keyboard that you connected to a tape recorder and you had to load the basic programs. It was so much fun. When I got it for the next 3 days, I never slept, right? So th- that's how I got hooked on. And from there on, I was I did uh, undergrad in uh, elect- electronics and communications. I did FPGA design, which is like in between hardware and software. Uh, did my master's in computer science, uh, and then it's always been technology that's driving through different companies. Even though uh, I worked in different kinds of companies, I worked at Sun Microsystems for about nine and a half years. Uh, I was an engineer, just starting coding, becoming a tech lead, architect. Then a manager, then run, running large teams. I gained significant experience in just in terms of 
being part of a large organization, being a well-rounded manager, leader. Then I went to a little company, Ning, which was a startup. And then I got experience in a startup. Then I went to Groupon, which is an e-commerce company where I, I was a CTO and I read, uh, led large organizations at scale. And for the last six and a half years, I've grown Atlassian from like at the, as a CTO from like 500 people to 5,000 people as an organization, plus also built out Atlassian Cloud, which has been pretty amazing. Awesome. No, I think uh, that journey seems prolific and uh, we can't wait to dive deeper into those learnings. But before we get there, is there any common trail of thought or a common learning or insight uh, throughout your career that, you know, you've always kept first and maybe that's a principle that's guided your action further? Would love to know that. Yeah, I- absolutely. I, I think technology was definitely part of every career change and uh, kinds of things that I was doing. But there was also an aspect of at some point, I switched from being a pure engineer technologist to also being a people-focused leader and a person who can also work on strategy. And we can talk about what a CTO role entails, which includes all these different pieces of it. But, but definitely there was that shift where I went from being, oh, I love just technology to I want to solve problems and That problems can be solved much better using technology, but there's also a big aspect of it needs teamwork. It needs people. It needs to have a coherent organization that can like high talented organization that can execute on the vision of what we need to execute. So there was definitely much more than just pure technology at the end of the day. And even in the last couple of years, I guess I've been fortunate to be on public boards uh, in the U.S. and also done a number of investments in companies. And there, there's definitely strategy uh, extremely important. And as you know, technology is changing the world. In fact, the change is not happening. It's not constant. It's actually accelerating, right? And that means that you need to keep ahead of the technology curves and make sure that you do the right investments. And that's all been fascinating to be part of. God, I think that seems uh, super exciting and would love to know more about the transition. But of course, before we get there, it'd be good to get a couple of fundamentals right out there, right, for some context. So uh, when we talk about, let's say, a chief technology officer, while it seems like, you know, the backbone of technology, it's intuitive to understand with your years of experience, if you can break it down for us in layman terms as to what a CTO role entails and how significant is it for an organization? I think that'd be a great starting point for the rest of the conversation as we understand more about tech evolution, leadership, and culture. Yeah. At a high level, CTO means different things to different companies. Let me explain, I guess, uh, what it means for me, what uh, it is for Atlassian, and then we can talk about different aspects of these. Starting at the highest level, CTO is a leader for the company, right? So not just for a specific function, but for a company. There are different aspects and dimensions of impact and leadership and involvement that's needed. Number one is customers, right? So start with customers, which involves execution on a roadmap to make sure that there's innovation that's happening, not just giving features, but also staying ahead of the curve and making sure that they are getting their Uh, you're wowing the customers, you have a pretty high CSAT score and the NPS score, things like that. So that aspect is extremely important. On the other side of execution is also risk reduction, right? So technology comes with a lot of risk. 
and making sure that the security aspects are taken care of and your system is reliable and performant and making sure that that all works really fast for customers. That aspect is extremely important. So it's important to start with customers. Uh, when I say customers, it includes partners and ecosystem. For example, at Atlassian, we have over 200,000 customers and thousands of partners in our ecosystem that work with us. So there, there's a large ecosystem that we work with and we make sure that we add value to them and we continually, continuously innovate. Second is being part of the leadership team to define technology strategy, making sure that it fits into the company strategy and also, I guess, to be able to work with CEO to make sure that all the latest technology there is a direction in which the company is going since technology is changing every company in the market. And one aspect to that is the concept of platform thinking, right? It's not just solving a point problem, but you're trying to think more holistically and thinking, how do we build a platform that can help just this use case, but also 10 other use cases that comes after. So th that aspect of company uh, as tech strategy is important. Th then the other very important aspect that's super uh, close to my heart is the people leadership aspect. Uh, it involves all the way from building the organization, hiring people, making sure that you have high talent and keeping the high bar, uh, caring, growing, mentoring people, uh, having the right org design to be able to execute uh, and uh, on the strategy and value for the customers. So that aspect is extremely important. And the last piece is on practices and processes, right? So there are different ways of setting up practices and processes. Uh, I believe in setting up a bottoms-up process and making sure that people have autonomy and they can run fast and things like that. But just creating all the processes around engineering, making sure that they can move fast. Also on the people side of process, like promotion process, process and mentoring process and making sure that people can grow. So there's all the aspects and dimension of people processes uh, or practice practices and processes. If you take all this thing, the characteristics that's important for a CTO is what I call systems thinking, right? Not just looking at a single dimension or single problem, but thinking more holistically. Uh, in, in fact, for, uh, for viewers and readers, I guess, there, there's an awesome book uh, called Thinking in Systems, which I really love uh, by Donella Meadows. Strongly recommend it. Uh, definitely something that people should read. Uh, it's very... Got it. I think uh, all of those seem very diverse yet connected at the same time and go back to, you know, having a strong leadership base. And in fact, I'd love to know more because uh, in my brief research leading up to this episode, I was really fascinated to see how you focused a lot on people first uh, as a leader. And you've spoken about walking the talk, uh, talking about the first aspect of keeping people first, right? Uh, how do you as a tech leader, you know, go about building culture or keeping people first? What is that idea? entail and what does that more importantly look like in practice uh, would love to know that and I think that'll be super helpful for everyone listening to this yeah my approach is people first approach right that's how I orient everything it starts with getting the right people on the bus and making sure that you have systems around it if it's a smaller company then you personally are involved to make sure that you can get people on the bus uh, when it's a large organization, then you set systems and processes in place to make sure that you have the right uh, things. Then you set the direction. As a leader, your goal is to set a direction, make sure that they know what they are trying to achieve, and then you get out of the way. 
right? You give them autonomy and have them execute on it. And to be able to do that, you need to have the right culture, right? So the culture aspect is extremely important. I'm fortunate to work at Atlassian. We have an amazing culture, amazing values. A couple of values, I guess, that plays out every day is play as a team and open company, no bullshit. Those two combined goes extremely well in terms of just bringing people together, having transparency and making sure that they all work together extremely well. That aspect of open and transparent culture is very important to have a people-led culture so that if you're not driving top down and if you're actually letting them Uh, do things, then you need to have structures in place so that you can actually succeed. And the third thing to succeed in longer term is to have this notion of continuous learning. And that's what takes you to the next level. Because if you are continuously learning as an organization and you don't point uh, mistakes on people, because if you look at it from a higher level, systems is what causes mistakes and incidents, not people. Right. So if you take that lens and viewpoint, then you can build the system so that they are robust and they avoid people making mistakes so that you can trust people and let them uh, go as fast as they can. Got it. No, I think that's super powerful. And, you know, taking that lens, I guess, requires a lot of maturity and the right culture. I I want to double click on culture, right? Looking at a large component of how Atlassian is built and how it's scaled. Talk to us about some of those components of maybe building a bottom-up culture, maybe building something that's so decentralized and also allows for a lot of autonomy and a lot of process, right? Keeping that balance, I'm guessing, must be important. So if you can double click on some of those culture aspects, especially in the tech side of the organization, I think that would be super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Let me pick some specific use cases and I'll talk about them. Uh, Let me start with people and culture aspect. Atlassian has this program called Ship It, which is a hackathon, which we run every quarter, every six months. And it's a company-wide thing. It's not just for engineering or the product engineering org, but it's for the whole company. And the goal here is for different people, and it's extremely important, especially in this remote world when people are not seeing each other to build these connections. And we run this ship it so that random people can come together and can work on an innovative problem solution for a day and present it to the whole company. And we have rewired it so that it's completely asynchronous in this remote world so we can make it scalable as an organization. But Ship it is one aspect which has been a cultural foundation or a pillar for Atlassian where everybody, if you ask them, wow, I love ship it because the energy that you get during those days is pretty amazing. The other pillar, I guess, in terms of just holding us all together is the mission and values for the company. And for any company, it's important not just to define a mission, write down your values, but actually live the values every day, right? So it's important for people. And I we generally have meetings where people call out saying, oh, it's open company, no bullshit. So we should publish this blog to the whole company, not just to a little group of people. And having the transparency makes it super transparent and having the trust across a larger group of people who are remote across. I also think the caring and mentoring of people is critical. And especially when you have these remote set up right now these days, uh, junior people are not getting uh, that many mentorship. Having structured processes in place that can help them grow and help them mentor is extremely important. So we go extra mile to make sure that we have these programs in place that can help them grow, uh, connect people that don't ever connect 
and having groups, Slack channels where people can ask questions on specific topics, like topic oriented, maybe some with even just having fun. So all those around people and culture. There are a number of things to make it autonomous. One of the main things is setting up the organization that's nimble so we can change directions because you want to be able to have an organization which can move depending on trends and change and uh, things like that. So we call this loosely coupled, highly aligned organization where you try to break it down into smaller chunks with clear interfaces where different teams can interact well with each other. It, they may be co-located in a region. Uh, we went completely remote. Uh, in fact, we want to be remote in terms of uh, people can be anywhere and can work anywhere. So we have these principles where we have the team in the same geo or same time zone region. So they can all, if they want to be synchronous working, they can, but we try to make it asynchronous as possible. We try to have everything on Atlassian products because we dog food a lot and we have Confluence, which runs and making sure that that autonomy is in place. But there's also these guardrails that are set up and we have this direction that's aligned. That's important. And to align with directions, we have goals set up at the company level. We call it uh, OKRs. It's a standard objective key result mechanism that we use at the company level, but it also ladders down into different teams so that they all know that these are the let's say 10 most important things that we are trying to achieve as a company and everybody aligns to that as an organization, but they also have freedom to figure out how to do it and what speed they have to do it. And we have some guidelines on, we want to build a platform across all these different teams. So we have specific teams that are shared services that are running so that we can have them work on these shared components that are reused by every other part of the organization. So there's a lot of things in the mix. As I said, it's a system, like you need systemic thinking, but breaking it down and making sure that each of these teams have clear interfaces and having them guardrails and letting them run is the key part here. Got it. I, I think that that's incredible to hear a lot of collaborative aspects, uh, which maintain a lot of innovation as well as process is what I'm hearing. And those are incredible takeaways, but to understand better as to how some of this collaboration takes place, right? Uh, a lot of times we can tend to think that tech teams work in silos, uh, but very often this quote goes around that when business context is merged with technical expertise, magic can happen. Talk to us about, uh, as a tech leader, how have you maybe enabled cross-functional collaboration within tech teams, or what have you seen work best within tech teams to enable a lot of context sharing and, and you know a lot of success in organization because of collaboration? Yeah, let me start with just my leadership style and what I enable as a framework, and then we talk about different aspects of what creates silo and how we can change that. First of all, I guess as a leader, it's important to set up how the organization operates. There are different ways of operating. There's command and control. There is uh, bottoms-up uh, innovation. There's a mixture of both. And we talked about how having these guardrails and giving autonomy is how I run. As a leader, like I said, my job is to make sure that I set direction. I make clear decisions and the communication aspect of the decision is extremely important. And there's lots of learnings in just even communicating decisions or communicating changes because it's not just that you send an email and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we are moving in this direction. Let's just run there. It just doesn't happen when there's a group of people. You need to make sure that's actionable and that's not just saying once 
because you might miss uh, emails, you may not understand exactly what it is. The change management in terms of making sure that if it's an important decision that you're making, it needs to be all the way included in onboarding for new people coming in, uh, making sure that the processes include those changes and projects are reoriented towards this new thing. So there needs to be technology process and people changes that needs to happen to be able to change these, right? So not just sending an email, but communicating it and multiple times reiterating because it should become part of the DNA because people, not because they don't want to change, but also because they have a goal that they are set and changing it just disrupts everybody. And then there's chaos in the system. So making sure that you reduce that chaos and you can turn the ship towards the right direction, extremely important. And as a leader, it's important to maintain open channels with the organization. Whether it's your own leadership team or whether it's the larger organization, some ways of connecting, for example, I have a weekly uh, uh, meeting with my leadership team. Like We talk about all sorts of things and it's not uncommon for the team to look at me and say, that's wrong, Sri, let's go in this other direction and have that open debate. That's important to have the transparent debate on that. And then also directly talking to the larger organizations, like having town halls and all hands and also Slack channels where I post every week. That part of leadership, I guess, is important. And the second thing is silo happens for various reasons. Like we talked about, if you have a strong mission that everybody is oriented towards, that makes it easier for even for people to say, yep, that's where we want to go. If they're customer focused, they want to solve customer focus problems and not just solve technology for technology's sake, which happens sometimes. We talked about the open company, uh, noble shit culture and the transparency. One thing that we have done that may be useful for viewers here is we went to a completely written format across the company, right? We never do PowerPoint presentations ever. It's right? so every meeting that I go to starts with a silent read for first 10 minutes and then a discussion around that, which helps in multiple ways because the author who's writing the document can think through and refine and half the time they write a document and they're like, ah, oh, that's not what I want. I, let me go fix this. And they actually come up with a much better thoughtful, whether it's a decision or an update, they come up with something that's, that, that makes it more efficient for everybody. And given it's a remote world with people living in different times on different locations, it also makes it asynchronous so people can read it anywhere. And we use Confluence with an open culture where every document that's not just for the team that's reviewing it is visible for everybody else. So, which means anybody that's not part of the meeting can also see it and comment it if they have value to add, which collectively makes us better as an organization. So th th that aspect, I think extremely important. And the other thing uh, in to prevent tech silos is around just connecting people on the social side having fun, making connections, having social events, ship it hackathon that I said is one aspect of it, but we also do a number of other things where people get together for things. That is one of the best things, uh, I guess, just in terms of building strong connections and building trust across organization. And that helps build silos, not just inside engineering organizations, not just inside product and design and engineering that generally work closely together, but also with the rest of the organization. So it's cross-pollinating is important. And to enable cross-pollination, one of the things that we have done and I strongly encourage is the internal mobility. Uh, having a program that proactively, if people are in the same job for let's say two, two and a half years, three years, 
encourage them to give training if they want to go to the next level or to a different role to enable them secondments and to make sure that they can work in different areas so they are well-rounded but they also take learnings from one area to the other and it breaks down the silos quite effectively got it i i think that's awesome to hear she thanks for sharing that because i think there's a lot of intricate process built in that enables for a thriving culture and that seems to be really wonderful on a very abstract level i'd love to know how deliberate you have personally been in ensuring this or what have been learnings to know that I, i'm guessing it can be easy to get driven by execution 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 but to build uh, on a strong fundamental ladder of execution comes you know being deliberate about culture so if you can maybe share your thoughts around how as a leader you've been deliberate about building culture i think would love to hear that yeah yeah so it's very important to have common practices language terminology principles across the organization so one of the things that i did was we spent a lot of time on figuring out what are the principles for my organization and we came up with four things that we listed and we talked about this so that people can align so th- th- that was helpful for this company value company culture but also there are specific things to engineering and product development that uh, needs additional things that we said okay these are the most important things most mostly as a directional guidance guidance so we listed those so th- that really helped and then when we started building these processes like you want to have minimum process you don't want to burden with like too many processes like you want to automate as much as possible so investing in automation and making sure that people don't have to think about what they need to do it just happens uh, is an important aspect of how you go about things so even when we bring up processes and in fact recently i wrote up a document called handbook atlassian engineering handbook which lists every single thing on how we do uh, in atlassian and if you look through that there's one common thing that you see there are uh, multiple ways of setting up processes in engineering generally what people do is you set up these gates where you have design reviews and you have coding reviews you have production before it goes into production reviews and check gates and milestones and like you have all these places where teams start running and then they have to stop for somebody else to approve things and then they have to run and then they have to stop again and that's very choppy for the organization so one of the things that we have done in designing these uh, processes is to make sure that teams don't have to stop and the system allows them to go as fast as possible and one of the examples of this is the scorecarding mechanism where we have this thing called scorecards that are given to every single team across atlassian uh, in the product engineering org and it essentially lists all the things that they have to hit we don't stop them from deploying anything we don't stop them from releasing features but we come back and validate that they are hitting those after the fact so which means we let them define their goals on hitting this let's say they have to hit 90% on the scorecard and they are at 80% it's their okr to say you have to hit 90% in the next quarter and we just have to let them figure out when they can do it in the next quarter and have them hit those and for some reason they regress from that then we have this mechanism uh, which helps them to say oh wow we are below the minimum bar that we need to hit so we need to stop everything else and go make those happen and this mechanism is extremely important in case of like security and reliability when customers depend on your product right and especially in security these days 
the weakest link is the problem. So you can't be like, yeah, yeah, I did 80% of the work, 20% can be hacked, but I don't want to touch those. It's not the place you want to be. So making sure that you actually cover all the cases and you as a team set up a bar that everybody hits is extremely important. And those mechanisms, and it's also important for building a platform for shared services where people understand what they are. We have all these scorecarding processes in place, which helps us a lot. Awesome. I think that's brilliant to hear pretty much because it lays down a very, you know, high benchmark in terms of org design. Uh, I think so many ingrained principles there that can transfer to a lot of the early stage thriving companies to build solid fundamentals from day one. So thanks for sharing that, Shri. I think that's going to be super helpful. Uh, But as we proceed, I think uh, one important uh, nurturing factor of a leader is to see how their team is doing and also design principles to maybe ensure that a career growth or career ladder for their team is very well defined. Uh, Talk to us about what career ladders in technology especially look like, because, you know, we see this chatter around technology hires, software being the backbone of every new age company today. Uh, How can managers and leaders like yourself enable processes that can help young hires reach the top faster or even rather more in a smooth manner? I would love to know that. Yeah, absolutely. Back in 2017, is when I guess that was that's four or five years ago is when we built this uh, growth profiles and career ladders and uh, and the reason we did this was and this happens in every company as you grow uh, you start with when you're a startup of like five people ten people you're generalists right you do everything there is no separate QA there's no separate security org there's no separate you do everything end to end. And as you scale, at some point, you start specializing into, okay, you are a front-end engineer, you are a back-end engineer, you are a security expert, you are a designer, you, you get into that place. And at some point, you need to know at different levels and you want to be able to grow people to be able to get better at their skill set. Back in 2017, we didn't have a standardized mechanism. We, we used to have ad hoc mechanisms of promoting people and we had mechanisms of uh, moving people in uh, to different teams. But that doesn't work really well, and it causes it can cause confusion. And uh, when there are new managers coming in, they bring in different standards from different companies. Like you want to have a strong uh, set of principles and a uh, set of ladder definitions that everybody in the company uses to be fair for everybody, right? So uh, we started off working through what it means for engineering, what it means for different roles, and. What we did was we put a team together and we started working on, let's figure out, I guess, let's define different roles and in the context of Atlassian, right? In the context of who we are, because I actually blogged about the principles and people asked me one today saying, can you give me exactly the ladders that Atlassian has? I'm going to copy it. And my answer is don't copy it. What's important is look at principles and adapt to what you want in your company and then define how, how you want to grow your people and what's more important for you and how you want to rate people, whether it's teamwork or whether it's like execution. Like you, that's your team's, like your responsibility to define it for your company. But so in that context, I guess we defined this project was called Pascal, uh, worked with the HR team. We had an amazing HR business partner who drove this uh, on from the HR side. And we defined these different ladders both on the management track and the engineering track, right? And it's extremely important to have the IC track and the manager track be parallel. 
so that people don't feel like at some point, oh, to grow in my career, it happens a lot, right? I want to be a manager. We need to make sure that even as an engineer, as a product manager, as a, you don't have to manage people to be able to make the impact at the highest levels, right? So, so we had to define uh, the laddering, and that becomes the core backbone of how your people processes run, because from that you hang off things like mentoring programs, right? So you can figure out who needs to mentor who and how you promote people and uh, and how do you move people from IC to management track, because not everybody might think that, oh, I want to be a manager, but they may not like to be a manager. So having this saying, this is what a manager needs to do, and that's what it is, and giving them a program around it to say, and we have this called apprentice manager program, where an individual contributor who wants to be a manager can try it out for uh, six months. And at the end, we actually let them know saying, this is what you're doing great. These are the holes that you have. And, and they, in many cases, they are like, wow, I tried this. I'm glad I tried this. I don't want to be a manager. It's so much hassle. I want to go back to be an individual contributor. And that's a good thing because you don't want them failing on the job and you want them to be happy. So, And that all hangs off of this career ladder uh, growth profiles that we have. Zoom forward, I guess today, we have it rolled out across the company, across uh, engineering. And it's become the backbone, like I said. There's like all these processes, we have this promo panels and we have calibrator roles and things like that, that all hangs off of this, which becomes the core part. I'm glad we did that four or five years ago. Lots of learnings in this too, right? So two things that uh, I would love to highlight that I just, if everybody is, anybody is trying to do this number, first of all, it's extremely important to do it right. So think through, spend enough time and make sure you do it. The second aspect, I guess, that's even more important is to take your time to roll this out to the org. You can't just say, here's how you measure from tomorrow, right? It just doesn't work. Like I said, change management is important, but especially on the people changes, when it touches them saying, this is how I need to get promoted. You need to take your time to pilot it in a smaller group, make sure you have champions and have them explain to the larger org because it's personal, it touches people. And they're like, wait, I thought I was a senior manager. It says I'm just a manager. How do I, like, it, it gets... Uh, to ingrain. So uh, that I think is important for us to, for the organization, the leadership to take time to get it right uh, and roll it out right. Got it. No, I think, again, uh, this is very, very helpful in terms of principles that can be replicated in some shape or form. And as you rightly mentioned, principles to take inspiration from rather than, you know, a completely copy or sort. So I think super helpful. And I think you've alluded a couple of times to the writing that she has. And I can testify that with the little understanding I have about technology, those are super helpful. And I'm going to put it on the description so that anybody who wants to refer to uh, his writings, which are transparently out there, can refer to it and go back and forth. But moving further, I think we've spoken about, you know, the technical aspects of the job as a leader and about the culture of tech roles. I'd love to go to the qualitative aspects of what this uh, job entails and what this role uh, has to offer, right? So if you can maybe she, you know, tell us as to how your qualitative journey has evolved over time, especially as you have scaled the technology leader back from when you started to who you are right now. I think that would be super interesting for young engineers and experienced ones alike to understand and learn from your journey further. So I uh, would love to know that. Yeah, absolutely. So let me 
take some time to explain. There are some things where I took a lot of risk in moving from different roles to other roles. In some cases, it wasn't planned. Some cases, it was planned. So if you look at, it wasn't like I designed, this is the career that I wanted to take. But every time, I, I guess there are se- several aspects of what makes me choose these things, but we can get to that afterwards. So if I zoom all the way back, I spent a lot of time in Sun Microsystems. Sun Microsystems is where I was an individual contributor, became a manager. I still remember, I guess, back in the day when I learned the 101, the basics of management, and not just that you read in books and yeah, these are the kinds of things that you have it on a web page that you read, but actually, how do you care for people? I still vividly remember I was an individual contributor. I wanted to become a manager. We were a team of, let's say, eight people, I think. And the Star Wars movie was coming out and the manager is like, oh, we should go to the Star Wars movie. So we all went there. And uh, when we reached there, we bought the tickets and we were like, how many people? It's like seven people. So we bought the tickets. And then the manager realized, wait a second, where is this other person? And there's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, she's not coming. She has to finish this deployment tonight. So she's not going to come in. And he's like, no, that's not it. Like if she's not coming, either we are not going or she's coming. So he drove back all the way to bring her back. And then we couldn't buy another ticket. So he sent us all in and he stood outside for the next two and a half hours, even though that was the premium of like the Star Wars movie. And then we, after that, we went out for lunch and I was like, why did he do this? Right? Like, he could have just seen the Star Wars movie. It was like hyped up movie at that point. This was like uh, early 2000s. And then I realized it's important to have a team as a team and not just like break it out into separate pieces and actually care for people. And I've had a number of mentors grow, I guess, just in different companies. And that's been amazing. And absolutely, Sun was the place where I was like, wow, that's how I want to be a good manager, the basics of management. Then I went to a startup, like, and that's where I learned the startup life. It's very different in terms of intense, lots of learning, amazing. Like I had great mentors there too. So I was working with like stellar talent and it had such a density of talent that in the startup and all of them have gone on to do bigger, better things afterwards. But just being in that environment for like a few years, I absorbed more than anything that I had done for a long time, right? So the startup experience absolutely was like super amazing. And then I went to Groupon, which was a completely different space, uh, e-commerce, large-scale built machine learning systems, like completely. And th- that's where I was like, wow, to operate at this scale and this kind of change management is how I learned. When I came to Atlassian, Atlassian is a very different company, right? So it's like a bottoms-up company, both just not in terms of internally, but as a uh, enterprise company, we don't have a large sales organization. Uh, we have a land and expand model that products, the product-led growth that grows itself even before product-led growth was a term. So I've spent last six, six and a half years thinking through the strategy of how do you build things? How do you grow the org? And just the aspect of not just the execution piece, like you mentioned, it's also the strategy of how do we do things and how do we do it better so that it helps us, but also helps the larger uh, world because we build tools for the larger world itself. And also the second aspect is the teamwork aspect, right? Our ticker symbol is team. And how do you actually be part of a team? Not just like say, yeah, we are, we do teamwork. It's those two aspects of lots of learnings. Then as part of being on the boards and uh, being an investor, I guess, 
the strategy, looking at directions, looking at markets, looking at like what can succeed or not and learning from those and getting those patterns. So if you look at my career, there's different, like in hindsight, I'm able to piece these together and like, I'm trying to explain that, wow, this is what I learned. I learned other things too, but but while I was going through this, that was not the case. I was just in the thick of things and just doing things as I grew, grew in my career and also, I guess, as a leader. So it's been fascinating. Uh, and, and if I abstract out, I guess, the, the kinds of things that a leader and based on my experience and different people would choose different things, like it's just the curiosity to be able to learn, not just, I guess, in if you're a technologist to learn and code and things like that, but in general, just learn about all things, everything so that you understand the larger things. And as things are changing, you will be able to adapt to things. Teamwork aspect, it takes a village to do things. So just being part of a larger team and how do you make that better and how do you fit into the larger team, extremely important. And the last one is, of course, my dad's favorite. He used to tell me all the time, there is no shortcut to hard work. So at the end of the day, you need to work hard at all things that I mentioned. Otherwise, it just won't happen by itself. Absolutely. No, I can only imagine and it's so heartening to hear about the journey and the years of experience that have led here. And it's so interesting how things just map in hindsight. But you know, in the moment, you have to keep at it, I suppose. So I think fascinating to hear and a lot of great learnings there. But I think, you know, double clicking very quickly on one of the things that you alluded to in the moment, making some of those decisions with the responsibility that you had must have been challenging. Now that, you know, so much of what you do as a leader is also decision making so much of what you do as an investor and the responsibilities you have also includes a lot of decision making. What are some core principles that you utilize in the moment, right? What do these defining moments look like in practice? practicality and how do you deal with them uh, is something that I think will help a lot of the folks listening in. So yeah, I would love to know that. Yeah. The principle, even before you get into the moment, like I said, number one is be curious, right? Just about everything because you can be on the moment trying to learn everything around that space or even like trying to catch up. You need to be curious to be able to say, you know that there are trends happening, right? You know AI is happening. So just go learn as many things as you can in that. So when an opportunity comes, you are like two steps ahead or three steps ahead in terms of where you want to be. And plus also just getting more things, learning more things around one actually helps you to connect the dots to a completely different area because you can draw parallels into, wow, brain works like this so that we can build a better AI net. Things like that. I, th- I think it's important to have those. Like the curiosity and the continuous learning is important. And I keep saying this to people, 1% improvement every day gets you 37 times the growth in the year, right? So that you don't realize the effect of compounding Right? And that's why the continuous learning aspect is extremely important, right? In terms of everything that you do, like that goes as a core principle and core uh, thing that I've learned over, over time and how I run. Second thing is taking risks. You need to be able to figure out, I guess, if you're in your comfort zone, always, then you are not learning fast enough, right? And there are some cases where you have a decision, especially when it's personal, it's like, wow, I've been doing this. I'm really good at this. But then I want to do this, but oh, well, who knows? I might fail there, so I don't want to go there. 
will restrict you from becoming what you want to become. So I've always taken this when there's these things where I want to do something that's like beyond something that I've not done in areas and markets that I've not done before. I choose that compared to where I can be like happily doing what I've been doing. So absolutely taking risk is important. The third thing would be just independent thinking, first principles thinking. Right? And this goes all the way back to, I did my management degree at Stanford. I had a, a creativity class and the professor gave this assignment of challenge all the sayings that people say, right? Like old is gold, right? Just every time you hear this, go challenge that so that you don't just take it what people say as a bias. So you can think more holistically and you start from first principle saying is old gold, right? So uh, I took it to an extreme where I started telling my mom, challenging mom on whatever she said and she didn't like it sometimes. But, uh, but it's important to be that independent thinking and start from first principles. Like the first principle thinking helps you to avoid all the noise in the system and just to figure out what the basics are. And lastly, like betting on people, right? So it's very important to know how to work with people and at the end of the day, trust people. And there's always in an organization and other places, there's conflict, but how you deal with conflicts is extremely important. Assume positive intent, you try to seek to understand, but at the end of the day, people is who you work with and you need to bet on people, right? So that, that's how I would say those four are the top level learnings and core principles for me. Got it. I think, again, uh, what I love is, is there's a lot of clarity and focus on the qualitative aspects of what a, a role demands. And I think that just shows across all of your answers and line of thought. So I think that's just spectacular to observe. As we conclude this, I think uh, what I'd love to know is if you can maybe give us a quick uh, detour of, let's say, what your day-to-day entails and, and maybe observations around what you think are some of the core traits that make a tech professional really successful uh, while success is of course subjective and there can be a lot of scale non-scale and different types of organizations keeping context aside there are common trails of traits that you have seen shine in tech professionals that you've either observed or you're, you've learned from yourself i think we'd love to know that and what your day-to-day entails yeah uh, my, my day-to-day varies quite a bit and even for this is true for most leaders, because you are not a single dimensional doing one thing all the time, you get to tackle a number of different dimensions and different kinds of things, and you want to be flexible and nimble. So my day, sometimes it's people-related topics that I dive into. Sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's processes. Sometimes it's products. Sometimes it's customers. So the it all depends. Sometimes it's podcasts like this. So it all depends on uh, different days, different time of the year. So the, for the second uh, aspect of what traits are important, so I said for myself, I guess, uh, I said curiosity, teamwork, and hard work, like the three things that I think. I, I think those three are equally applicable for everybody in terms of just be curious, extremely important for a leader, just in terms of this changing world. Working with a larger team, extremely important. I would also add the communication aspect, not just that you're part of the team, good intentions just don't carry it all the way. You need to be able to express it and to be able to action it. That that actioning part, extremely important. And then, of course, the hard work is something that I truly believe in. 
Got it, got it. No, I think uh, it's great to have that reiterated. And of course, I think it applies to everyone alike. So super to hear that. As we close the conversation, Sri, and this has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'd love to know that if you have any parting thoughts for any young founder listening in, especially as they build out, you know, the tech side and start scaling it to an extent where they hope to reach the scale at which Atlassian is at, uh, what do you recommend are some core fundamentals founders keep in mind before scaling tech organizations? I think that would be a great point to end this wonderful conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. People, talent, extremely important. So the first thing, focus on hiring, especially if you're starting out, hiring the first 10 people in the technology side, the engineers, defines the culture of the company, defines the technology core pieces. So spend enough time hiring those first 10 people, like get that right because that defines the company. Second is start thinking longer term in terms of not just the next immediate milestone, which happens, you have a big vision, but how you translate it into what you build, uh, it, it, it can, there's multiple ways of going things. So my recommendation is you need to hit the milestones, critical survival, but how you do things is also important. So it doesn't take too long to start thinking, okay, let's break it down into two different chunks and build it the right way rather than just hacking it. Because, and there's clouds out there that do this, there are services that are uh, available. So it's actually becoming easier, complicated in other sense, because you need to piece it all together. But the, the technology aspect uh, is important. And focus on the culture, because getting the teams to work together very important in having these lightweight processes that can help them automate things and uh, making sure that they can execute as fast as they can and to be able to get that culture in place, super critical. Got it. I think that's awesome. I think all of those three principles are so important, especially at the early stage and set the right fundamentals for the journey. I think this entire conversation has been super valuable. I think I have personally learned so much uh, out of all my conversations with founders and lays down a great bedrock for how to build a technology organization that truly leads and truly becomes successful. Thank you so much, Shri, for your time. Uh, I love the conversation and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you, Jivra. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. With that, we come to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're finding value with the podcast, do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice, drop in a review, and subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox. Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, I hope you record. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay tuned and keep building.